Amen. All right, children, you may be excused for Sunday school. And the teachers also. You see Sister Charlene at the back. Talking about babies, she's expecting one. We have a number of young babies, and we got a number coming. It's exciting days. It's exciting days. Have you ever held a little child in your hand? There's nothing like life. There's nothing like new life. They are completely dependent on their parents. Completely And it's amazing what happens to parents. There's one couple about 10, 15 years ago that I knew. The moment they had a child, they moved from their neighborhood to some other place. And when I asked them why they were moving, they said, because this is not the right neighborhood for our child. It's amazing what happens when you get new life. And not just a new child, but can you imagine when we start getting new believers in here? New baby Christians? Do you think that might change the way we behave when we get somebody that's a new Christian around? Huh? There are things that I wouldn't do if I had a new Christian around. And it's not that I'm doing bad things. (laughs) But there's something that, that causes you to change and to adapt to suit that new life. So I'm looking forward to it. Hallelujah. Did anybody get ministered to this morning? I've got 20 minutes, and I'm not even sure if I'm going to use those 20 minutes. I've got about three hours worth of notes. I'm not sure if I'm going to use that. But before we go, I was walking around yesterday. Yesterday was an amazing day. Did anybody experience a downpour like they haven't experienced for quite a while in, in, in this area? I mean, as I was worshiping this morning, I noticed we had such a downpour. It affected the tiles up in the ceiling there and, and who knows anywhere else. But it came down. And it came down just when I had to go outside and do some work. And as I was walking around outside, and I actually, I enjoy, I don't mind the rain. I love the sunshine, but I'm okay with the rain. My birthday's in another month and a bit. I won't tell you what day my wife will tell you, but it's like November the 5th. But it's coming up in about a month. And as I grew up, I don't think I had one birthday where it didn't rain. So I kind of enjoyed getting used to the rain. But as I've gotten older, I'd prefer the sunshine. And as I was walking outside yesterday, I mean, it was dark. It was overcast. And there are moments like that that I walk outside and I actually wonder if there's even a sun out in the sky. There are times when I walk outside and I go, I don't remember what it was like yesterday when the sun was beaten down and I was sweating and it was warm. All I know is what I see right now. And what I saw was overcast, rain, miserable, 
cold. My jacket wasn't warm enough. My hair was blown around what's left and everything. I mean, and it was just ugly. And the moment that happens, I started to think, I wonder if there's actually sunshine up above. And anybody ever experienced that in BC? I mean, it socks in for months, not just for a day. I mean, we may not see the sun now till, well, I'm not going to tell you, you might get depressed. But I was walking outside and it was like, I wonder if it's ever going to be sunny again. Alan and Kenesha, all excited, are heading to Mexico. God bless their souls. I can't fit in their suitcase and they wouldn't want me. And it's pouring rain, and I'm thinking, how can it even be sunny somewhere else? I'm going somewhere with this, so stick with me. And you almost, if you're not careful, (laughs) even the weather can make you depressed. If you're not careful, even the weather can make you depressed. I mean, it has nothing to do with everything I'm doing, and yet it seems to have everything to do with how I'm feeling. And I started to think, and I wasn't having depressing thoughts. I think God was speaking to me and sharing something and and just talking to me. And as we were worshiping this morning, I mean, what a... When we have worship, and when we worship, and when we sing, a little, cute, a little clue, that's your moment to get your miracle. That's your moment. I'd love to know that you get your miracle when I preach, but you know what? I find that it happens more when we worship. I'm expecting someday when it's, I'm preaching, but, but I know it happens in worship. And there was a powerful presence of the Lord this morning. And, and I believe God reminded me of what he showed me yesterday. You might be in the middle of something. And you look around and all you see is gray cloud. All you see is rain pelting down on you. All you think of is yesterday it was nice, but today and you start to what you start to do is you start to evaluate everything in your life with the momentary feeling and the experience that you see outside. And you start to think it's never going to be sunny again. I'm never going to get through this. I'm going to get drenched. I'm going to get cold. I got to now live with this for the next six months. I've now got to deal with this. Now I got, now things are going to start flooding. Now my feet are going to get wet. And in BC, when it rains and the wind starts blowing, I mean, your clothes can't keep you warm if they were three inches thick. I mean, it's in a crazy, and you start, and what happens is you start assessing everything around you and in you by this cloud that's around And I believe God was telling me to tell you the sun is still shining. Some of you need to grab that this morning. The sun is still shining. 
The sun has not stopped shining. The sun has not stopped. The sun is there. And it may look cloudy. It might actually be raining. It might actually get your socks wet. You might actually get pants that when you take them off, they're wet and damp. It doesn't change God. And yesterday, I I was just impressed with how quick my thoughts went to a place that I didn't want them to go to. And I know when we look at situations, we, we assess things and how quickly our mind flips and it says, I don't have enough money. I'm going to be like this the rest of my life. I have no friends. This is my problem. This, this. And so quickly it changes from yesterday being so beautiful and being so blessed and so abundant and so great. And all of a sudden the rain comes and life seems to change. Does anybody relate with that? I'm here to tell you the sun is still shining. I'm not telling you to move to California. Stick through. Persevere. Because when it becomes sunny in BC, there's no more beautiful place in the world than here. And when it starts to shine in your life and you get through the situation that you're going through, there's no more beautiful place to be than where you are in God's presence, in his place, and where he wants you to be. The sun has not stopped Shining. Now to my sermon. Genesis one twenty eight. If you want to turn there, Genesis one twenty eight. It's the first book in the Bible, so it's pretty quick to get to. Just open the first page and flip about three or four pages over, and you'll like. I found it. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. I want to show you a couple things. First of all, it says God blessed them. This is the first recorded conversation that we have in the word of God where God speaks to man. The first conversation that God has with mankind, he says, I'm going to bless you. And then he says, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. I want you to fill. I want you to subdue. And I want you to have dominion. The first thing that comes out of God's mind and out of his heart and out of his words and his mouth is being fruitful, multiplying, filling subduing and having dominion. The first thing that God wanted to convey and to say to his children and to his people and to mankind, Adam, was this is my plan, this is my goal, and this is my desire for you. And so we've spent a few weeks and we've looked at what it means to be fruitful. 
And fruitful has to do with abiding, connecting. We looked at multiplying. Multiplying is almost a word that confuses because we think multiplying means we have to keep adding in, whereas multiplying in God's equation means you start sowing and you start giving. It goes against our mathematical minds that think, I have to stay in this equation and keep doing this and keep pouring in in order to multiply. God says, no, if you want to multiply, what you start doing is you start sowing and you start giving. And then the word replenish in the Greek or in the Hebrew is to fill. And God wants you to fill every place that you're in. God wants you to fill every place that you're in. God wants you to fill your environment, your atmosphere, your place, your house, your car, your, your stationery, everything that you are in and where you're around in your environment, God wants you to fill with him. Jesus was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He exemplified what it meant to be full and to fill. And then subdue, which refers to property and possessions and promises. And today I want to take a few minutes. We're not going to take long. I'd like to look at the word dominion. Dominion. The word dominion. Do you know that God wants you to rule in your life? If you believe it, can I have somebody shout amen? God wants you to rule in your life. God wants you to be the one that is ruling. He doesn't want life to rule you. He doesn't want the gray clouds to determine how you feel. He wants you to feel how, how you feel and how you sense and how you are does, is not determined by the clouds in the sky. He wants you to have dominion. He wants you to be dominant. He wants you to rule. He wants you to reign. And he wanted that right from the start. And in Genesis 1, he places man, he creates man, and he puts man in charge of all his creation. The fish of the sea, the fowls of the air, and everything that creeps and crawls on the earth. God has put you in charge of managing his creation. God has put you in charge of managing what he has created. And he, he talks to man and he says, I want you to have dominion. God wants you to control the situations and to rule over the situations in your life. I've got a few verses. And this morning, I mean, we were reading verse after verse about that. Pastor Daniel had all those verses from Psalms. Brother Albert shared from Ezekiel and Winona um, read it, how you speak the word of the Lord to the situation. Can you imagine dry bones... And actually, if you read Ezekiel 37, in the first few verses, it says there was many of them. Not just a few, but they were all over the place. Can you imagine taking control of your situation and speaking the word of God, which is alive, which is real, which is effectual, which does not come back to him empty. And you speak that word to dry bones, and all of a sudden you hear some noise. 
And you hear some crickling and you hear some crackling and you hear some things coming together. And all of a sudden you start to, I mean, I, I think of these commercials on TV that show this evolution of something that, that went from bones or transformed from something. And all of a sudden you see this skin coming on and this happening. Well, when you speak the word of God, something happens and there's a transformation that happens in those places that are dead, that are dry, that you don't think have any life. And what happens is you take dominion over that dry valley. When you have a proper understanding of what dominion is, it can transform your life. When you have a proper understanding of the authority of the kingdom of God that is resident inside of you, it can change your life. This is not something that you have to put on This is not something that you have to grab from elsewhere. This is something that you have because you are a child of God. And the kingdom of God, we see it displayed and demonstrated in the New Testament. But when you go to Genesis, you find out that the kingdom of God was established there. And God did not forsake his ideas. God didn't just scrap the Old Testament and say, well, I guess we're going to just start anew and do the New Testament. No, everything in in the Old Testament, Christ fulfilled. He says, I fulfilled all the law, the prophets. So when we see that, we bring it through what Christ did. We see that it only gets better. Christ does not degrade the promises. What he does is he brings them better and they are seen more fully and more realized through what he did. So when we look at Christ, we see, do you know that demons actually screamed when he came around? He didn't even talk. He didn't start looking for demons. One time it says he's walking in the synagogue and there's a man in the synagogue and the demon, he had an evil spirit and that evil spirit started to speak. God, Jesus didn't walk around saying, oh, I see. He was just walking around doing what the Lord God, father, his father told him to do. And things started to happen around him. He had dominion. Part of the definition means to rule over, to manage, to govern, even to govern with considerable or forceful authority. Considerable or forceful authority. God does not want you to be a wimp. Thank you, son. God does not want you to be a wimp. I'm not sure if you heard me. God does not want you to be a wimp. You are not a wimp. You are the creation of the perfect and the almighty, the ruler of everything. And you are his creation. And he doesn't look at you and say, I think you're a wimp. He looks at you and says, everything I have, I place in you and I give you. And that's how you walk. That's how you operate. That's how you live. That's how you speak. In this finite body, I contain infinite. I can't figure that out. How in this shell, which is finite and frail, I contain infinite and holy and perfect and just. 
Because God doesn't come in just a little measure. When he gives you, he gives you everything he's got. And the Holy Spirit dwells within me. And the Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead. And the Holy Spirit is no less God. And no less the Father. No less the Son. He is whatever the Father and the Son and body and are. The Holy Spirit is also. He's part of the Godhead. So when he lives in me, everything that God has lives in me. I can't figure that out. How infinite chose to live in finite. It goes against everything that we think of. But God wants you to rule with even forceful authority. Have you ever seen somebody with forceful, forceful authority? I mean, they don't even have to raise their voice really loud. They just raise it a bit. This morning, my wife was demonstrating forceful authority on the stage. When she was speaking, I don't know if you recognized it. Maybe it's because I'm married to her that I recognized it. But when she looked at Valerie and when she looked at Sheila, she was not speaking her own words. She was speaking prophetically. And there was a seriousness and there was an authority in those words. Brother Albert, when he came up and shared, he wasn't just sharing what was in his heart. He was sharing with authority and there was power in those words. And you can make declarations and you can speak forcefully the authority that God places you. We do that all the time with our children. Don't go there. That's forceful. And that can even change into another form. That can change into a physical form. Don't go there. Have you ever raised your voice and somebody else? I think sometimes we need to do that spiritually. Sometimes we need to start looking around and we were making declarations this morning and we need to say enough of this. This is not the life that I am going to live. This is not where I am going. I am going to and and I will not accept this. We need to start speaking the word of God and speaking it with authority. My goal was to finish at 12 o'clock. So I want to tell you a couple things here. God does not speak to you or say something to you that he does not expect that you can do. So when God speaks to you, he has a full expectation that you can do it. When he went to Noah, it had never rained on the earth. Okay. You talk about an X-Files kind of idea. What are you doing though? Now they had rivers and they had lakes, but he's building this huge liner, freight liner, this huge boat. And it takes him like a hundred and so many years to build. It's not like a little, I mean, he's building it with his family. I mean, every day the group goes in front of him. What you doing, Noah? The loony bin's just around the corner. And you don't think that happened? At the end of it, there was nobody from the city or from that area that got on that boat. They didn't think much of them. 
But God told him something because God saw that he could do it. When God went to Abraham and he spoke to Abraham and he he changed Abraham's name from Abram to Abraham, what he did was he was speaking into his life and he was saying, you will be the father of many nations. You will be the father of multitudes. In fact, Abraham, I will change your name so that every time you speak your name and introduce it, you're introducing yourself the way I see you. Abram is not a bad name. It means exalted father. But he says, I don't want you to be exalted father. I want you to start speaking that you will be the father of many nations. Do you know from the first time God told him that till the time that he had Isaac was in the neighborhood of 13 years. And a day back then was just as long as a day is now. Thirteen years. God spoke to Abram and said, you're going to be the father of many nations. Look up to the sky and can you count the stars? Look at the seashore. Can you count the, the, sun, the, the, the sand on the seashore? He says, just as many as that is going to be your, your heritage and your children. Thirteen years later, he gets Isaac. God saw it. And that's why he could say it. So when God tells you something, that is because God expects that you will be the one that will do it. When he went to Moses, he expected Moses to be the one to take the children out of Israel. I don't see him talking to anybody else and saying, oh, you don't want to do it? Don't worry about it. I'll just find somebody else. He said, no, Moses, this is what's going to happen, and you're going to do it. Esther, through the mouth of her uncle Mordecai, he says, you're going to be the queen. You've got to get ready. You've got to do this. Because God was giving him thoughts and inspiration. Mary, God came to her. And said, you're going to have son of God. You're not going to have, it's going to be a virgin birth. Never happened before and never happened since. Only one. He says, you're going to do it. Why? Because he said it and he knew that she could do it. Every time God speaks to you, it's because he knows that you will be able to do what he says. So in the capacity and in the arena and in the picture and the sphere of dominion, when God tells you that he wants you to rule over your situation and your circumstances and those things around you, do you know what? He expects you to do it. He expects you to do it. He's not going to tell you to do it or that he expects you to do it if he doesn't expect it. When he speaks to you and he says, you will have dominion and you will, your feet will tread over these things. That's because he expects it and he knows it because he is in you. That word blessing, when he says he blessed them, actually means that there is an expectation of a favorable outcome. God expects an outcome in your life when you exercise and walk in what he's going to do.
In Psalm 9.3, Pastor Daniel read it. When my enemies are turned back, they shall fall and perish at thy presence. Do you expect that to happen? You've got dominion. Thou will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Do you expect to have pleasures forevermore? That's what God expects. The hills melt like wax at your presence of the Lord. At the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. When you walk and you start speaking what God says. You can expect things to happen you can expect mountains to melt you can expect dry bones to gather together you can expect the impossible to happen because God is speaking and you are exercising and walking in conjunction with what he said I've got a couple thoughts I'm not going to give them all to you. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six. I've got about 12 ideas on how to practically rule or how to exercise dominion. The first one is you need to see yourself as a person of authority. See yourself the way God sees you. Gideon was hiding in the wine press, threshing out the wheat. He was not doing it where it should be done. It was completely inefficient and he was hiding. And as you read the story, it says that he had 10 servants help him the next day when God spoke to him. I mean, he was a guy of influence. He wasn't just a weak little guy, but he's hiding in this area. And God comes to him and says, you mighty man of valor. Hiding in the wine press, taking care of the wheat. You're a mighty man of valor. God saw him different than he saw him. God saw Gideon as a mighty man of valor. He went, I, I mean, it's an amazing story. You got to read it, Judges 6 and 7. And, and you got to take your time when you read it. He went from 32,000 men down to 10,000 men. He lost two-thirds of the men. When, when God speaks to you and he tells you you're a mighty man of valor, you better believe it. He goes, he says, guys, we're going to take care of the Midianites. 135,000 Midianites. I don't know about you, but I did the math. That's like six or five to one. Four to one, 32,000 compared to 100. I wouldn't like those odds to begin with. I'd say, God, can you give me a few? One to one would be nice. And he says, there's too many. So what I want you to do is just say, if you're afraid, leave. Two thirds of them leave. Hello. Talking about a shot across the bow. Talk about like, ah, I'm supposed to lead these people and two-thirds of them leave. I'm supposed to be a mighty man of valor. God tells you to do something. Sometimes some crazy things happen. Then God says, by the way, Gideon, 
too many. I got an idea. You're going to be a man of war. Go drink water out of the stream. Talk about training somebody for war. Jason, you've got a little bit of experience from your background military-wise. You wouldn't take people to the stream to teach them how to drink water in order to make them a warrior. It doesn't sound right. We're going to go and we're going to drink water. Okay, guys? Everybody with me? There's 10,000 of you. And I'm not going to tell you how to drink the water. Just drink the water. 300 left. God Help me. The Midianites didn't change number. But everything I'm supposed to do changed. And God says, you're a mighty man of valor. He trained his people for war by seeing how they drank water. Sometimes God will have you do the stupidest, craziest, zaniest, insane things in order to prepare you for the battle that's ahead. You think all I'm doing is pushing a broom and he says, nah, there's something else that's going on. Then you see how he does the battle. He gets a candle and he puts a a thing over and he gets 100 here, 100 there, 100 there. And he says, okay, guys, when we yell this, we're going to break that and we're going to freak them out and they're going to die. And it happens. I went to a football game with 68,000 people. The Midianite army was double that. I was in a section probably with 2,000 people. I can't imagine that section taking care of the whole arena, let alone double the arena, let alone only 300 people. But when God says he gave you dominion and when God tells you to do something, he carries it and he backs everything with him behind it. So when I'm reading Genesis 1.28 and I'm talking to you and I say, God wants you to be fruitful. That's 100% God backed. That's 100% proof. That's the full thing, the full deal. When he says, I want you to multiply, everything that's in him and with him is behind that. He's not going to say, well, just a little bit. When he says, I want you to fill your environment, that's everything that God has. When you walk into an environment, everything that God has is with you and it fills that place. Expect that. Expect the environment to change when you walk into the room. Hopefully for the better. Some of you got that. I'm learning how to walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. Therefore, the room will change positively. Anyways, enough of that. Expect that things around you, you will start to control and influence those things around you because you have subdued the enemy. And the last thing, you actually control the environment. You actually, not only are you fruitful, multiplying and filling and subduing, but you are actually Ruling over the environment. If you don't rule over the environment, the environment will rule over you. If you don't take care of your finances, your finances are going to take care of you. If you don't take care of choosing your friends, your friends are going to start choosing you. 
If you choose to have to be in strife and whine and complain, guess what you're going to live in? You either take control of that situation and have dominion over it the way God expects you and planned you and designed you, or it will take control of you. So if you got your pencils ready, I'm not going to give you a whole lot. I'm not going to go into a lot more. You want to see yourself as a person of authority. Now, don't walk around your house. Don't, don't, and don't please husbands or wives. I tried it. No, don't walk through their house and say, I'm the man of authority here. I'm the ruler of this house. I've got them. That's like epic fail. It's like, ain't going to happen. Says you want to be great in God's kingdom, serve. You want to have dominion in your house, you start serving your wife, serving your husband. Amen, honey? Know your identity. God changes your name to suit his identity for you. You want to understand some things about ruling? Memorize verses about your identity. We, ran, we sang this morning, if God is for me, who can be against me? Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but he lives in me. In him I live and breathe and move and have my being. I am the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I am the righteousness because of what he's done. So when God looks at me, he sees Christ. And you start memorizing these verses about your identity. You want, to have, you want to have dominion and rule? Be faithful in the little thing. Because that little thing is actually what gets you to the big thing. Take control of what you can and let go of what you can't. I do not control my wife. I was expecting her to say hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I don't control my wife. I control me. Now, I set the environment and the atmosphere in my house with my wife. But if I walk in that house and I'm angry and upset, it changes everything. If I walk into that house and I'm cheerful and loving, it affects everything. But there are things I cannot control. I can't make her think. I've tried. It doesn't work. Control what you can and let go of what you can't. Guys, quit trying to get your wife. Just love her. All the wives were saying, hallelujah, preach it, pastor. Another way to learn how to rule is get wisdom. Seek it. You read in Proverbs. It cries out yelling at you saying, here I am. The last thing I want you to see is that God has put in you, in your DNA, your destiny to rule. Genesis 1.28. After he creates Adam, after he creates mankind, he looks and he says, Adam, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. I want you to fill this place. I want you to subdue it and have control over it. And I want you to have dominion over everything I've done. That was part, that was the first conversation that God had with man. That we see in the scriptures. Right 
from the get-go. Right from the beginning, God's design and intent and imprint and command was that you would be a person that would dominate. You can dominate your situation. It is in you to be able to dominate. You have everything inside of you to overcome addictions. I believe it with all my heart. You have everything inside of you to overcome loneliness or fears. You have everything inside of you to accomplish and to overcome the areas that you are looking at that you are not happy or satisfied with. God has given you everything. He wants you to dominate and take control of those situations. Hallelujah. Anybody believe that? I believe the authority that God has for you is bigger than you could ever expect. It says that we don't war against flesh and blood. So please hear me when I say take control. I'm not saying that you do some military takeover of your house. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you take over your life. It says in the Bible, take your thoughts captive. My thoughts don't dictate what I do. When I walked outside yesterday and I saw the cloud and the first thing that came to my mind was negative, I had a decision at that moment what I was going to do. It starts, I had a decision. I'm not going to let BC weather get down a son of God. My goodness. Just put on a rain jacket. Put on rubber boots. I rule that situation. I went out and I did what I was going to do. I didn't run back in and say, it's ugly outside and I just can't bear it. We're in for another five months of rain. Help me. Turn up the heat. Give me the hot chocolate. Woe is me. I did it after. But I did my... But you take dominion. Rule your situation. Rule your situation. I'm the boss of me. Now God's the boss of me, but in my thought, I take captive those thoughts. If you don't, those thoughts take captive of you. I know a guy I was talking to. He went to the doctor once and the doctor said, you might have cancer. He's my age. He said, we're going to run some tests, but it's a possibility. We have to do these tests. That guy stopped eating. He stopped functioning. He became reclusive. I talked to him after he had the test, and he says, you know what? All the doctor said was that, and that planted a thought in my head, and I thought I had it. When I finally got the test done a week later, two weeks later, whatever, he says, I realized I didn't have it. And the whole time, his mind messed his life. People give you bad news. You're going to hear bad news. Get used to it. What you do with it determines whether it's going to cause you to spiral or if it's going to cause you to ascend. How you handle it is when you exercise dominion. 
I want to pray for you. We're going to pray for Pastor Daniel and Pastor Brenda. Alvaro, is your wife here, Alvaro? No? Okay, we're going to pray for you, brother. They're getting ready to go to Brazil this week with Pastor Nelson and Pastor Louise, who are in Seattle ministering with a, a pastoral a, a couple that we've gotten to know quite well over the last number of months. So we're going to pray for them. But before we pray for them, I just want to pray for all of you. This is not something that I've mastered. But this is something that I'm learning to master. I'm learning how to walk in authority. And I want to pray for you because I believe there are some things ahead of every one of you that are huge. Good things. Good things. And when you have the mindset that I am a person of authority because the king has given me his authority and he reigns my life. And you have that mindset. What it will do is it will change your perspective when things happen to you and you will start to look at things differently. I'm not talking about no positive thinking guru. I'm talking about biblical thinking. I'm a biblical thinking guru. That's what I'm into. And the Bible says, whatsoever things are good, think on these things. Whatsoever things are pure, think on these things. Whatsoever things are good, report. And he gives you things to think about. I believe that every one of you sitting here is going to exercise your authority. You're going to see fruit. You're going to see multiplication. You're going to see some things filling in your life. You're going to see things coming under control. And you're going to see that you're going to rule and reign. I believe that. And I want to pray for that over you this morning. You ready to receive? Amen. Would you lift your hands up just as a symbol of of being open to receive? Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I just pray for your power. For the unction of your Holy Spirit. For the reality of your word. To become a part of our thinking and our process and our evaluation. And Lord, I ask that we would learn to walk as men and women of authority. Exercising dominion. Being a king's kid, exercising it in the kingdom of God, the authority that you have placed among us and on us, and the expectation that you have on that. So, Lord, I just pray over everyone here this morning that they would look at your dominion, your rule, and your reign, and they would start exercising that in their lives. In every single aspect. In their thoughts, their words, their actions, their deeds. In your precious name. Everybody said. Amen. We're going to take a moment. We're just going to pray for Pastor Daniel, Pastor Brenda. And Alvaro, if you could come up. This is our first trip to Brazil. And Alvaro is very excited. He's got lots of things on his mind. He's got, he's planning. Well, just stand right here. Amen. He's planning. 
he's got an expectation. He is expecting some crazy cool stuff to happen in Brazil. I asked him, he says, as soon as I arrive, he's arriving a day before the pastor. He says, I'm meeting with the pastors at the airport. And we're going to start planning. I mean, they've been talking already, but now they're seeing face to face. There's an expectation. He's going to email me the itinerary. And next week, I hope to be able to have that so we can pray over them. Because his thoughts is literally almost a daily activity. So there's going to be demand on Alvaro, but also on our pastoral team. And they're going to see Brazil. They're going to go minister. They're also going to spy out the land. Amen. Amen. And just like we have a passion for Costa Rica, that's alive and well here too. We need to pray for laborers. Amen? Luis, you need to come up here, brother. Because you're excited for Alvaro. I want you to lay your hands on him. The passion that God has given you for Costa Rica I want you to lay it on him. Go ahead. Anybody else from Costa Rica? Because you have seen what has happened in Costa Rica. I want you to come up. We're going to agree in faith. Amen? Brother Sean, Brother Howard and Kathy, Brother Albert. If you could come forward, we're going to lay our hands. We're going to expect a blessing, traveling mercies. Amen. If you could just reach your hands forward.